Welcome to this week's Heathcliff. My name is Dave. This is the podcast where I describe and analyze the single-panel comic Heathcliff, syndicated in newspapers around the country and available on Go Comics' website at gocomics.com slash Heathcliff. I do this for reasons I'm not sure of myself. I enjoy doing it, and I am now 41 years old, uh, so I'm not at an age where I'm spending a lot of time trying to analyze my enjoyment of things. I don't really have a lot of time left to do that with. Um, if you if you even think about how long, how much longer I will be able to simply to enjoy uh, things um, at all, that's grim. Um, but is informed by the fact that yesterday I uh, fell down a flight of stairs, <laughs> and um, it was it was it was the type of fall you take. Like it wasn't a full flight. I fell down like half a flight, maybe maybe even like just a third. And it was I caught the heel of my boot. Um, I, I wear like walking boots. I walk dogs, so I have to have fairly. Um, heavy-duty footwear to get through the day. Um, and I caught the heel of my boot on a step and just sort of went down the stairs on my uh, back and ass. And, um, you know, as I was falling, I had the thought, well, this won't be so bad, um, which is a strange thing to think. But, like, uh, my body instantly realized, I think, that barring some sort of, like, catastrophe midstream, I was pretty far down the stairs. I wasn't falling very fast. And importantly, I was falling backwards and down as opposed to forwards and down because there's a lot farther you can go if you're falling headfirst down the stairs and you can do a lot more damage to your face and head. Um, and uh, fortunately, I did not do that. What I did do, though, was I caught my arm uh, on the banister. My right arm got caught on the banister as I was falling down. So it got sort of pinned above me awkwardly and then caught and then like freed violently and sort of jammed up, um, which would hurt under any circumstance, but especially hurts when you are someone who had uh, right arm shoulder surgery about, uh, well, over a decade ago now, but like the thing with your shoulder I dislocated my shoulder about a dozen times in the year before I had the surgery, right? Uh, and the thing with your shoulder is uh, once you have that surgery or even once you start the process of just like having a pretty shitty shoulder that dislocates a lot, you don't, you only get better, but you don't get good. Uh, it's very hard to come back from that because the shoulder is not a load bearing joint. It's just a weird sort of place on your body that's kind of held together with a bunch of uh, sinew and um, uh, good hopes, <laughs> I learned. So um, uh, psychologically as well, um, the shoulder's a really interesting place. Uh, I, I, had, uh, I have a family friend who's an orthopedic surgeon, and he uh, put it this way. People don't like being dismembered. <laughs> and that's what happens when you dislocate your shoulder. You are literally being like you, the, the meat of you is holding you together, but the rest of everything that's supposed to be happening is not anymore. 
And that is really, really disconcerting. Um, I don't think I dislocated my shoulder again. I would be very upset if I did. And that's part of the thing. Like, it's a crazy feeling to have that happen. It's a crazy sort of trigger to have uh, in your body of like, oh, no, not this again. No, I'm 41. I can't I can't spend another eight weeks in an immobilizer and like in this amount of pain. It was uh, shoulder surgery is shitty. I mean, it's probably better ish now. Um, You know, over a decade later, they've probably made improvements to it. And also like um, this is getting long, but I uh, I went in for the surgery where they take little robots and like they they don't do it very invasively. And then when they got into me, they kind of discovered that there was like just like um, instead of uh, like a, a, a tear somewhere there was just kind of like um one of those uh desert bazaars going on in my shoulder where there was like you know uh uh tents put up by different uh warring factions and they'd all met and they were like selling their wares to each other that doesn't you know that doesn't make a lick of sense point is there was a lot going on in there <laughs> like you know people were uh, uh fortune tellers and they were selling monkey's paws and stuff and um, uh, so uh, they had a lot of clean out to do and a lot of fixing to do. Um, and as a result, they uh, uh, quickly narcotized me, and <laughs> knocked me out. Hell of a way to wake up, by the way, where you think you're going in for like tiny robot surgery. And then like two hours later, you just wake up to a large orderly screaming, wake up in your face. Um uh, so they quickly knocked me down. Uh, I don't remember anything that happened next, except again, large orderly yelling, wake up. And then like not being able to really move my body and sort of like learning, relearning how to move my body while one of, you know, good 25% of my limbs were now completely incapable of movement. Anyway, point is my particular surgery went especially hard. Then I fell down the stairs yesterday and my arm now hurts, but also it's like a really scary hurt. And, um, uh, I'm getting older. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time dissecting my love of dissecting Heathcliff. I'm just going to do it for you. Now that I've spent a lot of time dissecting why I do that. (laughs) Oh, this got real meta off the top and you know what? I'm keeping it, keeping all of it. Let's get into the comics. Um, so this is the comic for the week gone by. Again, you can read along if you like on GoComics' website at gocomics.com slash Heathcliff. I take no position on whether or not you should do that. Some people, I'm sure, like just the audio. Some people uh, may not, may want to see what I'm talking about while I'm talking about it. Anyway, this is the comic for uh, Monday, March 18th, the week gone by, 2019. We are on the suburban street in front of Heathcliff's home. Um, there's a uh, there's the uh, sort of upper left quadrant has the corner of Heathcliff's home in it. We can see it's a pink building as always, and then there's the sidewalk in front, which describes a like a shallow arc moving from mid panel right down to lower panel left. Behind the sidewalk, there's the lawn. Behind that, there's a uh, white picket fence that um, uh, 
is the property line for Heathcliff's property. And then past that is, you know, one of those grayed out sort of suburban buildings that implies there's a building here, but don't pay much, too much attention. Um, uh, there's a telephone wire moving across the top of the panel. And then on the sidewalk itself in the lower left corner is a red fire hydrant um, in the uh, right of the panel looking at the red fire hydrant walking towards the red fire hydrant is a man walking his dog the man is wearing uh, blue jeans a white collared shirt a red sort of sweater coat thing um and a green uh sort of beret cap thing um having commented extensively on this podcast about the fact that nobody seems to dress in modern ways in Heathcliff. I'm just going to leave it there, but that's, I've never seen a man dressed like that in all my days. Um, he's walking a brown dog. The dog is vibrating with excitement. His mouth is smiling. He's got his tongue out. His eyes are wide. His tail is wagging uh, so quickly. We can see actually three tails. He's hopping up and down, if the movement lines are to be believed. In the background, by the fence, center of the panel is Heathcliff, just seated there, heavily lidded eyes, um, not really paying attention to this at all, but he's there. And then on the telephone line above is uh, a blue bird, just one blue bird. Usually there's two. They talk to each other, at least is the implication. This time there's just one, and his mouth is open. He's providing a caption to the panel, but who's he talking to? No one's anywhere near him. Is he talking to us? I think he might be, because what he's saying is, it sparks joy. So the only thing he could be referencing here is the fire hydrant, right? The, jo the, only, the only thing... Uh, the only creature uh, portraying Joy is the dog. The only thing he's viewing is the fire hydrant. Dogs love to urinate on fire hydrants. I know this because I walk them. But, and it's, it's a stereotype about dogs, but it's also true. I mean, they also love peeing on just about anything that's about knee height. Um, if you walk around a city, uh, everything from the knee down is covered in dog urine. Um, fine. They're disgusting, lovable creatures. So it sparks joy. And this is obviously a Kondo reference. Um, uh, Marie Kondo has had, a, you know, a, a, a massive influence lately uh, through her book, through her Netflix series about... Um, uh, the magic of tidying up, the magic of getting rid of things that do not spark joy. So the implication here is that we're going to keep the fire hydrant because it makes somebody happy, which is fine. Um, there's a better reason to keep a fire hydrant. It stops fires. Um, and we used to have like city-sized fires that would rage out of control for days, and then we put in municipal fire departments and um, uh, hydrants and networks of uh, highly pressurized water that they could tap into, um, which, you know, 
libertarians seem to always overlook when discussing how the, how the government never gets anything right. Um, so anyway, uh, this is just sort of one of those Heathcliff references, Heathcliff comics that's, that's just reference-based. It's also one of the ones that um, has no need for Heathcliff. Um, as to why the bird is just speaking to the air or to us, I mean, maybe the, the, the message here is that fire hydrants should spark joy in all of us. You know, they're, uh, fire, uh, fire fighting in general is an extraordinary act of altruism and goodwill. Fire hydrants, the fact that we have them, the fact that we have taken this upon ourselves is, uh, likewise, and I think important. And, um... I'm happy that they exist. They make, they give me joy. So, sure. Let's, uh, let's go with that. And let's move on. To the comic. For Tuesday, March 19th, 2019. Same basic setup. We're in, um... We're a little tighter in on the lawn, so we don't see the um, sidewalk in front of it, um, but only a little tighter in. Also, the lawn has changed now um, because now there is a birdbath in it. It wasn't there yesterday, but it is now. Everything else is the same except um, the fence in the back is no longer white. Uh, it's now brown, so in 24 hours there's been some pretty extensive work done here. Um, we can also see, uh, you know, there's always a window in the corner of the house, and we can see in the window is Heathcliff. He's got his uh, eyes lidded again, uh, sort of relaxed look to him, and Iggy, the child who lives with Heathcliff and the two elderly people who also live with Heathcliff, um, that child is there for reasons that are not explained. He is standing next to Heathcliff. Um, and then, so there's the birdbath, and scattered around the lawn near the birdbath and on the um, fence uh, are five bluebirds, all looking at the birdbath, all smiling at the birdbath. And then standing on the birdbath itself is Woodstock from the Peanuts. You know Woodstock, yellow bird, always hanging out with Snoopy, uh, can sort of fly, but not really, and loves hanging out with Snoopy. Iggy's mouth is open. He provides the caption to the panel, and he is saying, another birdbath celebrity sighting. Don't really understand. I don't really get why, 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 that, why that's a joke or... I mean, I guess bird baths, um, they, uh, they are not where you'd see celebrities. And I guess celebrities in the world of comics are other comics characters. So really reaching here, I guess the joke could be that to these birds in this comic, these faceless sad birds who are always providing the caption to panels, but never otherwise um, 
acknowledged, um, they get to see a truly well-treated, acknowledged bird uh, come through, almost worshipfully look up at him in his bird bath. I don't know. I got very little here. This is just a weird thing that happened. Let's move on. So this is the comic for Wednesday, March 20th, 2019. We're in the city. It's late at night. We can tell it's late at night because there's the black cloud with the uh, C-shaped yellow moon in front of it, looking like no moon-cloud combination on Earth, certainly. Um, We're on a corner lot. Uh, In the background, we can see buildings, um, but we're looking sort of at this corner lot which is a fish market. Um, We know it's a fish market because it's got a yellow sign at the top that says fish, and there's a red awning. The building itself is gray. Um, And uh, then in the window, we can see several fish on ice uh, and the, um, again, fish market in yellow on on, on, on the window, though written over the fish market is actually the name of the fish market, Elite Fish Market. Uh, That's unusual on Heathcliff. We don't usually get these businesses named, but this one apparently wants everybody to know how elite it is, which is fine. Fish market itself takes up most of the lower half of the panel, maybe maybe two-thirds of the way up. And standing in front of it are two guys. Uh, They're the fish market salesmen, we can tell they're the fish market salesmen because uh, they they are wearing uh, the, the salesman shorthand. Everybody always wears collared shirts. Everybody always wears blue jeans and yellow shoes. Um, uh, one of them has a mustache. The other is a blonde. Um, and then they've got one of them has, the blonde one has a paper cap on. The uh, brunette has a uh, jaunty, uh, sort of pork pie hat, and they both have smocks. The blonde has a like sort of half smock, and the brunette guy has a uh, full body uh, smock with a green fish on it. So that's how they keep their fish cuts off, but also how they identify themselves as fish salesmen to us. Great. Great, great, great. In the background, of, in, above the fish market, we can see one, two, three, four, five, six cats... Um, they're suspended in the air and they are uh, suspended by pink parachutes. So they are parachuting in to the fish market and they all look delighted to be doing so. They're, they're also clearly doing so from the back. So like they're going to land on the roof of the fish market and infiltrate from there. In other words, they can't be seen by the two men standing in front of the fish market. And the blonde man is speaking, and he's saying, it's eerily quiet. Um, and what I like about this panel, you know, we've seen the fish market uh, probably a hundred times. We've seen cats stealing from the fish market uh, in various ways, including by flight, hundreds of times. Um, what I like here is that this setup punchline action requires nothing from the past. So like often we'll see like um, Heathcliff 
floating away on a bubble of bubble gum from the fish market, having stolen from the fish market, right? And um, in order to kind of get it, because the joke won't, the, the, the caption won't really reference that this is insane and something's happened because that happened in the past. It will then, it will provide color to that. It will provide a spin on that. And then a subsequent one will provide a spin on the spin. And soon we're at the point where, you know, like truly bizarre, insane stuff is happening because I think Gallagher assumes we're reading carefully and I am. Uh, but not everybody's gonna be. So half the comments are like, I don't get this at all. And even when you do get it, it's sort of like, what? <laughs> what brought us here? But this one just is like, despite the fact that we've seen the fish market, despite the fact that we've seen the cats stealing from the fish market, despite the fact that we've seen the cats fly before and use parachutes, etc. this is all still its own thing. It can stand on its own. I appreciate that. Thank you for doing that. That's great. Um, moving on. Thursday, March 21st, 2019. Uh, we're on the suburban street, the, um, uh, the, the sidewalk describes a more severe arc from mid-panel left to lower panel right. Um, there's the house in the background we don't need to pay attention to. And uh, then there's the lawn, Heathcliff, and uh, a man, it doesn't look like the old man he lives with, are standing on the sidewalk. Uh, the old man, or the, the man he's with, I should say, is dressed like all men, blue jeans, uh, red sweater, collared shirt. He's got a red ball cap on, he's got glasses on, and he's looking up with no particular, like, expression on his face. He's pretty neutral about the crazy thing he's looking up at. Heathcliff, for his part, is uh, seen in a, in a, in a, uh, with an expression we, we don't often see him in, which is wide-eyed amazement and possibly fear. So they're standing at the extreme left of the panel looking up the old, the, the man in sort of like blase look and Heathcliff in wide-eyed amazement and fear. And what they're looking up at, in the top right corner of the panel, we can see a sort of fuzzy, almost cloud-looking body. And then coming down from it are legs. Um, legs that are uh, just like straight gray lines. Then they meet fuzzy, like cloud-like bodies of their own down by the, down by the street level. And then um, pause. So it's sort of, it looks like a gigantic poodle's lower body, you know, like with the poodle haircut, that. And in fact, the um, man's mouth is open. He's providing the caption to the panel and he's saying, she's a poodle and Great Dane mix. I mean, now I have to be like a dog asshole and, and, and talk about dogs. Poodles are like true poodles, not toy poodles, but the like real poodles, the ones you mix with golden retrievers to get golden doodles. Um, those are pretty big dogs. <laughs> They're like 
they're not as big as Danes, but they're pretty big. Um, but neither of them mixed together would equate to a dog that's 30 feet tall. Like you can take a, a Dane and a King Corso or whatever, like gigantic dogs. You'll just get a dog that's gigantic, but not, not five times bigger than its parents. I mean, I know I shouldn't be a pedant here because, like, the 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 that's the joke. <laughs> but I don't. But then, what's the what's the joke? You know. Um. All right. Huge dog is the joke. There's huge dog, and Heathcliff is freaked out by it. Huge dog. Moving on. To the Heathcliff panel for uh, Friday, March 22nd, 2019. We're in a large hall-style room. Huge, uh, like, tall ceilings. Um, just generally big vaulted room. And um, on the back wall are paintings of Heathcliff in various uh, positions and smiling and uh, looking dapper, um, sort of a, a triptych of Heathcliff. Then on below those paintings are busts of Heathcliff um, uh, with like little uh, cards. This is the way you'd see like busts of like Greek figures, you know, in a museum. Uh, then on the right, over the entryway, is a giant painting of Heathcliff smiling with all his teeth in full color. Standing by the doorway in the lower right of the panel is the old man who lives with Heathcliff and a just generic-looking friend, a guy. Uh, again, they're dressed the way you always dress in the Heathcliff universe, which is formally and weird. Old man's mouth is open. He's providing cash in the panel, and he's saying, we spoil him. Sort of a sad spoiling, don't you think? Like, if you want to spoil a cat or spoil anybody, um, you don't show them, like, you know, the love you show to a Roman, like, emperor, you know? That's not how Roman emperors were spoiled, though some of them were spoiled, you know, like Elagabalus and stuff like that were like teenagers who took the throne and were um, incapable of running it and surrounded by yes-men who like stroked their egos and eventually murdered for it. But that wasn't really spoiling. That was um, making uh, somebody psychotic. Um, through flattery. Uh, this is flattering somebody. Spoiling somebody is showing them an abundance of, uh, you know, affection that comes from a, from a true place but is not balanced with the necessary um, strictness to let somebody know that while I love you, you are not necessarily so special that you get to, you know, 
um, exist in a way that inconveniences others. Uh, so spoiled brats will like you know yell and scream when they want to leave, and they're just you, you know what a spoiled brat is. Just go to Brooklyn. Anyway, the point is. Um, this doesn't seem like spoiling. This seems like worshipping. Moving on. To Heathcliff for Saturday, March 23rd, 2019. The uh, last panel for last week. We don't do the Sunday panels here because they are multi-paneled, and that's a different thing. Uh, be a lot to describe. We're in some room in the house that Heathcliff lives in. Uh, the, the architecture of this home is constantly shifting and changing. But we're in a room um, on the lower level. It's not the living room. We can see the living room through the arched uh, uh, doorway. And we can see, like, furniture and stuff in the background. So this is in the living room. I'm not sure what room it is, but it contains a bird. Um, so we're going to go with it's the bird room. Contains a bird in a bird cage that's on a huge cleft-shaped armature that's really bizarre um, and, and unwieldy and takes up a huge amount of space. But there's a huge amount of room in this house. Um... We can see there's a single blue bird in it, a sad bird. And the bird cage itself is sort of central in the panel. And then hanging on the bird cage, having what, looked like, what looks like he just landed on the bird cage, sort of like belly flopped uh, into it, uh, except like not downward, but sideward belly flop into the bird cage is Heathcliff. So his back is sort of to us, but we can see his button nose, and he's clearly holding on to the birdcage with his front paws, claws, and just sort of, I guess, like now, like being like, well, what do I do? I can't get into the birdcage to murder the bird, so I'm just going to stare at it, which is a very cat thing to do. In this case, Heathcliff is not displaying any of his sort of like intelligence here. He's not using one of his robots or, you know, like his extreme mechanical aptitude. He's just trying to use sort of his um, mafioso, uh, for lack of a better word, thuggish um, pow power, physical power, but it doesn't seem to be working. And speaking to that, the bird is speaking his mouth is open. He's providing the caption to the panel. And the caption is, Good morning, sunshine. And again, like, this is one that could actually stand alone. There's a setup. There's a punchline. All makes sense. Uh, and the bird has the uh, presence of mind in a charming way to call attention to the fact that you can't get in here. And... I have something of the upper hand, though I have the upper hand because I am a prisoner. Sort of sad to think your way through that if you uh, think too long about it, and I do.
Anyway, uh, those are the Heathcliff comics for the week gone by. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, hearing about them. I enjoyed uh, talking about them. As always, uh, please do not rate or review this on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any of the other podcast-catching apps you might use. That is a waste of your time. And um, to the extent that it helps out the podcast, who cares about helping out a podcast? Even I don't care about helping out this podcast that much, and I'm the one who does it. And that's not to say I don't care about the podcast. I like the podcast. It's just like people will find it or they won't. People will like it or they won't. And gaming an algorithm in order to um, make me successful on its terms is boring. So let's not do that with our time. Let's do other things like uh, emailing me at yourpalgarbageape at gmail.com and telling me what you think, telling me what I could improve, telling me anything you want to tell me at all. That's yourpalgarbageape at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Look forward to talking to you next week. And uh, have a great week. Until then, talk to you soon. Bye.